Welcome to another episode of Speak Like a CEO, the leading podcast on CEO communications. My name is Oliver Aust. I'm the CEO of EO Ipso Communications. And we have a very interesting topic today, which is why CEOs need to step up their game in front of the camera. Now, video is eating the world, and we want to talk about what CEOs can do about this and what that means for their organizations. And to talk about these questions, I've invited a very special and perfect guest, my old friend Bettina. She's trained professionals from over 100 countries, including members of the European Parliament, and she's even trained a Buddhist monk. And we thought that there's so much happening in the world of media and the world of on-camera and the world of video that we wanted to discuss together what is happening, why it is happening, and what that means for business leaders. And as a special bonus, you can come to offices in Berlin in the middle of September on the 15th, 16th, and 17th of September, where we have set up a studio where you can meet with us and get a professionally produced video for free. All you have to do is book yourself a slot, but don't hesitate because these slots will go very quickly. So, Bettina, welcome. Good morning, Oliver. Thank you for inviting me. This is a very beautiful uh, subject matter, and um, it's very interesting. One and a half years into Corona, you can see that all of us sort of made friends more with camera because we are in Zoom calls, etc., all the time. And many people I trained before who would have said, I hate cameras. Well, there's no way around it any longer. And overall communications has changed. There's a lot of evidence on that. Yet I still see some reluctance from very senior executives to speak in front of cameras. So there is a like almost a disconnect between what the world wants and what they are doing. And I'm always, always asking myself the question, what is the reason? What makes them so shy? And I think it's very often that you want it to be perfect when it's out there. And I'm not sure it's about being perfect. Nobody wants a perfect person, an avatar in front of you, but it's about being professional. And I think with very simple things, we can do a lot. That's a really good point. And uh, I, I totally agree. I'm not sure that people have made friends with the camera, but they're definitely using it more. So, uh, you know, that, that that's an interesting question. Does more use actually lead to friendship with the camera or people just more fed up with it? But I think Zoom conferences aside, which are not really the topic, uh, today, there are many, many use cases for video, for on-camera work, and certainly there are way more than there used to be. So the first one is media, right? So very obviously, this, this has been around for decades. CEOs and business leaders and founders, they need to be able to be in front of a camera and speak competently and be great ambassadors for their companies, right? Yes. And uh, interestingly, they do. Very often when they're asked to do it, um, so I'm finding it interesting uh, how many people are not dying to do it, but really need to be pushed in front of the camera. And I think there is various pieces. Um, one piece is the content that people really speak when it's getting audiovisual far too complex so so that people do not adapt the message in a way that it really lands when you look at people's behaviors they are looking at videos on desktops and the average uh, length of video viewing is two minutes 
slightly more on your mobile, but it's never more than uh, three minutes. If your message is complex, it's not going to land. So there is one piece there. And then I loved what you're saying that uh, the world is getting more audiovisual very, very clearly, but some people really hate camera. And I think overcoming that gremlin and to, to be more gentle with yourself helps uh, you in overall professional life, I would say, but definitely when talking to a camera. And, and sometimes um, one thing that can help is that you really really uh, rehearse, record, and that you dare to look at yourself. And you look at yourself as if you were uh, looking at a good friend rather than yourself. And when I do that in my training session with people, very often they get more gentle. And when they look at their own performance with that those eyes, well, then they say, well, actually, it's not so bad. It's not as bad as, as, as I thought. And once they get flying at that hate, then they can really start improving and tapping into the potential of video. Right. Uh, I totally agree. I think that's one of the big gorillas in the room, isn't it? That a lot of leaders and CEOs, they... They're often very good in one-to-one or one-to-many conversations, but they really either freeze when they're in front of the camera or they really um, dislike the camera and therefore they're not really being at their best. They're not really natural. So video content or being in front of the camera was obviously, has always been used for media work. So being in front of the camera was a, you know, maybe once a month occurrence for a CEO, or maybe they did a few interviews around, uh, you know, results day or other big occasions and announcements for the company. That has completely changed. I mean, media is still there, Bettina, right? And obviously uh, not just to promote, but also to protect. So in case of a crisis, it's important that a CEO or leader can just step in front of the camera and defend the company in the position. Absolutely. Uh, interestingly, uh, media and crises are still there, but uh, the way we communicate with our audiences are changing. Just to give you one example, in crisis, we see more and more video messages in the beginning of the crisis when you do not have much more than a holding statement. And these messages are very, very, or can be very strong. And so uh, I'd say we have things that are getting added to the mix, while the key principles remain the same here, of course. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great point. And you see this more than more that companies record, and, and we often advise them to do so, record video statements rather than confronting the media and being in a completely uncontrolled situation. Now, the second big area I would say is social media. And social media content uh, that is often in form of video can go out on LinkedIn, on Instagram, and uh, you know Twitter, many other channels. And Clearly, this is something we see more and more, and more business owners and CEOs are stepping in front of the mic to make the most of that opportunity. Yes, although you say more and more do it, um, there is definitely an increase, but you can also see that startups find that uh, second nature's big corporations, the CEOs still need to be pushed by an excellent social media team. So mm -hmm. so uh, I, I'd say there is a disconnect between what the audience needs or is waiting for and what business does in real life and how it does it sometimes. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. I think there are two reasons for the fact that we see more video content. One is that the algorithms push it way more. And you could see this change on LinkedIn last year, for instance, uh, that the long articles, which were mainstay of LinkedIn, are basically invisible now, but they're pushing all the different forms of video content. And you see the same on other formats. And the other reason is probably bandwidth, that we just have more bandwidth at our disposal, that, and that leads to more people using video that was just very slow and you know, clunky you know, a few years uh, ago. But today, it's, it's just very easy to use video and even watch it on your mobile phone. Those are probably the two reasons why we see more video content, way more video content on social media. There's more bandwidth, and the algorithms push it. 
One of the particulars of video content are the live formats. We see this on LinkedIn, but we also see it uh, more and more on Instagram. We see it on Facebook, and, and pretty much all channels have live functions these days. So this is different from pre-produced social media content, Bettina, right? It is, absolutely. It's a different ballgame, but it's a beautiful one, because one thing I see when it's pre-produced produced that uh, leaders tend to want it to be perfect. And it's not about perfectionism. And you know very well this uh, warmth competence uh, uh, conundrum almost that leaders think they need to uh, uh, project just contents and competence. But people also want to see the person, the personality, the warmth. And sometimes the live formats uh, bring so much more life into the game uh, than the pre-recorded ones. But that is, of course, if people are very, very well prepared. Yeah, exactly. I work with a, a scale-up CEO and he has a weekly show on LinkedIn, a weekly live show where they invite guests. And it's a great, great way to position yourself as a thought leader in your space. And of course, this, these live shows, they're aimed at a particular subsector. Um, but, you know, that's when it works best, actually when you have a very clear target audience for your live formats. Now, the third big area, I would say, is internal communications. And here, Corona has played a big role in the increase in video content uh, internally. Absolutely. I mean, Corona, uh, we are, of course, not happy uh, for having uh, about having Corona overall. But in terms of uh, internal communications, CEO communications, leadership communications. It is really like a, a game changer. And uh, I feel that uh, whereas communications before was very top down, uh, now it really got so much more inclusive and very, very interesting. And, and CEOs can tap into that into even more. Interesting. How do you use that as a company, as a CEO? Because video content is one directional, it's asynchronous. So how do you use video content to foster dialogue internally? I think... Um, Either you can use uh, video content uh, to have people um, participate shortly in events, but then also you can start with a video and then get into real interaction. So I feel that, for instance, uh, with Zoom or bigger conferences, etc., uh, internally, that now uh, people want people to be part of the thing because they're not in the physical room. And there are so many techniques. And by having either a good pre-recorded one or by being just your best self when you start off and then interact, you can really not only get your messages across, but also work towards in intense buy-in. Yeah, that's right. Um, you can also invite people in your video to comment, to send questions, and then you pick up these questions in the next video. Yeah. So th those, are, those are good ways, I think. So when, when you start out using video audio content internally, whether that's a podcast or video series, um, you know, just make sure it's not one directional, that it is an invitation to enter dialogue. And it is not, you know, the silver bullet, but it can complement other forms of internal communications Absolutely. very well, especially now as we live in the hybrid world. Yeah. And I think also um, the mentality of CEOs is changing here. Whereas before, of course, you would always talking about bringing everyone in, etc. cetera. Uh, you would still have uh, yeah, very much a top down mentality. But if people are different, uh, sitting in very disconnected places, uh, you really think harder about how to keep them motivated, how yeah. to interact with them, how to bring them in. And it has changed the culture. It's not only about different techniques, but it has changed the culture. And then you tap into the techniques. That's very interesting. It's, it's also more natural intuitive it comes very natural to us once you get over that initial hurdle right so uh, just watching people talk or talking on video is, is more natural you, you know than, than writing you could argue absolutely and it's more fun i have to say it's more fun yeah yeah and you can build more trust because usually you spend more time together and there's that face-to-face -face element even even though we're not in the same room okay so 
pitches is another area where we see more video content, also due to Corona, I think, but also because investors may not be in the same place you are. So I see this in two different formats. We see pitches just being recorded uh, or sort of pitch videos being recorded, so videos that you use for pitches. But we also see sort of live conversations between startups and investors uh, where it's about raising money and video conferences or pre-produced videos play a role in that. So, you know, pitches and, and raising money has moved out of the meeting room and into the virtual sphere in particular with video. And isn't that beautiful, Oliver? Because I mean, yes. for decades we have people told people, please, Just make it simple. Take the helicopter view. What's the essence of things? And you can do that. But once you have really that pitching principle, you have very little time to get your one point across. And you know that there is loads of uh, yeah, stuff at stake uh, financially, but also for the reputation. People get their act together. The adrenaline yeah. is different. The message is different. The impact is different. And I think that might help communications overall. Yeah, the, the perfect pitch is one sentence long. You can't get away with waffling. <laughs> And video, I think, you know, in a, in a meeting room, you, you can waffle, but on video, you can't because you're going to watch it again. You think, oh, my God, I have to do this over and over again. So in a way, it provides discipline and it helps people really hone their messages. There are a few other use cases just to mention that events. Now, even if you speak uh, at an event in person, which are, you know, that's coming back now, I think, um, we, we've seen many events where people would meet virtually or provide videos. And even if you speak in person, usually there's a recording which will later be used, say, on YouTube or on the website. So events, speaking on stage is now also captured virtually uh, on video and is, is then shown and can be shown to more and more people. And by the way, almost all events right now are hybrid, which means not right. only that it's used to stream afterwards, but that part of the, um, the audience is in the room. The other part needs to be addressed remotely. And very often CEOs forget these guys so and ladies. So, so uh, really to keep in mind that uh, the face-to-face -face big room at the group in the room is probably a relic of the past that it, it will be hybrid in the one other way yeah. how do you deal with that because you, it seems like you can only prioritize the audience at the room or the audience at this on the screen but how do you deal with both i think um it's it's various pieces a uh, i would always talk to um to those who are in charge of um uh, the streaming component uh, the remote audience etc to to see what can be done to bring people in so uh, at some moments uh, to have uh, people who are not sitting in the audience participate with apollo whatever can be super powerful the other piece is uh, to really have a message that explicitly addresses those in the room and those who are disconnected from far. Um, and the third piece is uh, to adapt the way um, uh, we speak so that those who are connected from far uh, feel uh, interested at all moments. And you've seen those depressing p p uh, figures about what people do when they're sitting in front of the computer watching a, a thing. What do they do? <laughs> they, they disconnect immediately. So that means that please also for the face-to-face -face, uh, uh, guys and ladies, uh, adapt your approach, make it shorter, make it more interactive, make it more fun. Um, and, and I think uh, not only those who will be connected remotely will 
love that, but also those in the room, yeah. because we should have done that anyway. That's a good point. What works for people in the audience, in the physical audience, tends to work as well if you're on a screen. So just more interesting, more to the point, more engaging, engaging the audience, connecting with the audience. Now, a final use case we'd like to mention are email campaigns. So this is usually used in B2B sales campaigns, and this is working really well at the moment. What happens is that usually business leader will record short video messages tailored to particular person say, okay, hi, hi, Bettina, you know, uh, I just wanted to point out that we have this new service and we're doing this and that. And, you know, this, this works quite well because people tend to watch videos that start with their name and that is, are, are tailored to them. That obviously means you have to record quite a few videos. You have to have the right setup and not everyone is doing it, but those who do it, they see very high conversion rates. Absolutely. It's not my area of expertise, but what's very interesting, it's the same key principle as with the pitch. If you don't get off to a good start... Uh, and have a very strong key message, there's no way you can interest anyone in what you're doing here. Yeah, and, and I think what works in sales these days is either hyper-personalized, so you do this for one person, every pitch is different, and email uh, as email videos um, work quite well in that respect, or it is really at scale. So you use bots, you use uh, technology, you use uh, automated campaigns, and just try to reach many, many, many people, knowing that the conversion rate will be very low. So both of these can work. Uh, the the in between kind of campaigns don't work these days, in, in my view. Now. We're getting off, off topic. What we want to talk about is video. So we outlined about eight use cases CEOs have for video. And this, is, this led us to that hypothesis, that headline that CEOs just need to step up their game in front of the camera. So, Bettina, how do they do that? Um, usually, traditionally, CEOs have been a bit shy about cameras, funnily enough, most of them at least. Uh, and it wasn't a regular occurrence. Now they're forced, basically, or, or you know, should embrace being in front of the camera on a much more regular basis? That's a big question. Um, it's about uh, contents and connection in front of the camera. And um, and uh, so we talked about the adaptation of contents uh, already, that it really needs to be almost like your the content you had before in a nutshell and almost painted in colors and blue, green and yellow. Mm -hmm. But uh, also um, the uh, connection, which is uh, not only the uh, technical connection, but really with the audience. And I can, I can feel that people, uh, when they are in front of a camera, very often they lose that sense of having people in front of them and there to almost imagine you have your best friends sitting in that camera piece uh, and and really speaking to them and wanting to convince them is a very important point which brings me to the fact that I strongly believe it's a mindset game. There are, of course, techniques of what you wear, where you look, uh, et cetera, et cetera. It's all there. It's all important. But really, by being prepared, by having the right message, your energy up, uh, your voice oiled, and then you're standing there with your whole personality and your best energy, not a frantic energy, I think um, that is already a very nice setup uh, for the video. Um, An issue is sometimes that people go in and have just uh, looked into the contents that their video uh, video production teams have given them or their communications teams have given them, but they have not thought at all about how to make sure they are present and how they want to get that message truly across, how to make the message theirs. And I think once you have done that, it's not a matter of long work. It's a matter of really going into that uh, contents and embodying it. And once you do that, uh, chances are very, very good. You do that also during the 
video message. Good, a lot of interesting points here, which I'd love to dissect a little. So you said connect with the audience. How do I do that on video? Because the yes. audience is not in the room. I think uh, very interesting. Um, you need to connect first with yourself and then you can connect with the audience. That might sound almost esoterical. But if you don't have your feet rooted in the ground and your whole uh, physiology uh, present, um, you won't connect with anyone. Um, so that's the first piece. The second piece, if you have a message that is really directed to that audience and that starts off strongly and builds and then has a call to action in inverted commas, so something for the audience to take away. So if you address people directly through your story and language and then on top of it, you use the technology to look into the camera, uh, to really keep stable stance and eye contact, to uh, stand in a rooted way and use body language to underpin your messages rather to distract from uh, than distracting from them, I think you can do beautiful, beautiful things. And less is more here. And I know um, that um, I said before we shouldn't be perfect, but re having rehearsed that stuff a lot of times, maybe with a very critical friend, but <laughs> gentle at the same time, but maybe also with the camera with whom you wanted to make friend anyway, rehearsing that makes sure your your message is uh, short and uh, sharp. Uh, it's very interesting when I rehearse my own one, I see how many detours I make. Um, so there's, a, there's really like a case for that. Yeah, that's great. Uh, great advice. I would add that to connect with the audience, think for a second about who the audience is. Yeah. What are their expectations? What do they know? Uh, and then you can connect with your eyes. You can connect by addressing them or, um, you know, but never think of the audience as a mass of people or a group of people. Always think about the individual. Communication is always one-to-one. -one, and what you want to do is think about a person in the audience, a typical person in the audience, and is basically direct everything at them. Then you can connect with the whole audience. Don't see it as a mass of undistinguished people. And um, Oliver, I would say not only think about uh, this one person, but feel that person. You really need to to connect uh, with um, that person um, because if you... Um, have your whole body and mind as if you were talking to that specific um, uh, person, chances are very high that you get convincing. But if you just intellectually tick the boxes of who this is, the target audience, you segment it, etc., it's not going to work. Mm -hmm. So it's mindset. Exactly. And, and the next question I would ask myself is, what's my objective here, my communications objective? So I know who I'm talking to, but what's why am I on camera? Why, what am I doing here? Yeah. And I love this phrase of, uh, we're, not we're not answer people, we are spokespeople. So never just be in front of a camera answering questions or talking about something, but always be mindful of your messages and speak to the people with your communications objective in mind. Yes, absolutely. And I'd um, uh, almost challenge you without challenging you here. Uh, it's about the messages, but also the one thing you want to get across. Absolutely. Because we said already that people will switch away from your video very, very quickly. But even if they were staying, so if you give a presentation video, video today and people stay on and love it, in a week's time, they will remember a maximum of 10% of it. So you'd better know what are these 10%, what you really, truly want to communicate. What's the one thing you want them to go away with? That, that's great, yeah. Um, should 
CEOs learn a text like an actor would learn a text and just basically remember it all and step in front of the camera and just repeat what they've learned by heart? <laughs> Um, it's interesting. Um, we all that this is a no. I think even the CEOs know uh, that um, this is uh, not a good piece of advice to learn it by heart. Um, however, many do. Why? Because um, we want to play it safely. But safe is the absolute enemy of connection here, playing it safe. So, so what I really recommend is to work with a plan on a page where you really flesh out how do you enter the, the conversation in Invented Comma. What are the key messages and chapters? How, what transitions do I want to make? How do I want to close? But then work on the concept and flow rather than learning by heart. You learn by heart, the whole energy is out and the whole connection will be gone. And CEOs are risk takers. They are therefore that calculated risk. But I think you think you play it safely by learning by heart. You took the risk that zero person, nobody, nada will really get what you're talking about. So it's a no-go. I think that's a great soundbite. I never heard this before. Safe is the enemy of connecting. And because CEOs are naturally risk taker, takers you know they, they should feel comfortable and just embrace the you know the, the slightly unpredictable nature of being in front of a camera yes. now, and the big risk is is to to learn it by heart i think that's right. the piece right that, that that's really good that you know using a teleprompter or learning by heart is actually extremely risky because you probably screw up your video by using that technique um rather than embracing the fact that you will freestyle a little bit based on the messages you you've internalized yeah. but you will get a much better outcome the teleprompter is my second best friend yes <laughs> because i mean learning by heart is already an issue and i don't know how many clients i have been fighting uh for um the whole tele teleprompter thing i'd say if you have a teleprompter you need to know exactly how you can speak as if it were totally natural. And very few people can do that. Ronald Reagan, for instance, uh, was very good at these kind of things because he was an actor. So he could uh, uh, read a text as if it were, was coming from the depths of his heart. Okay, but we are not professional actors. So these kind of pieces are harder for us. So better not do it and channel the energy somewhere else. Uh, I totally agree. I, uh, for me, teleprompters and the likes are total no-no. And I think every CEO just needs to understand that they need to be able to speak freely and competently in front of a camera about the company. And, and this is fun. This can be fun too. This is not something too serious, but everyone in the audience will see that you're reading or that you learn something about. People have very good antennas for this. Just think about yourself. If you watch a video where someone is reading, you notice. Now, the problem with that is that people assume that as a CEO, you should be able to talk competently about your company. So if you don't, if you read out, you uh, you destroy trust. You destroy trust because people think, oh, he's, you know, he or she, they, they don't even mean what they're saying. Someone else has written this for them. And shouldn't they be competent enough to talk about their own company, their leading? What are they doing? So if you want to destroy trust and the perception of competence, then use a teleprompter. So I have very strong views on that. And, and Bettina, I know you, you do too. Yes. But one thing you can do, if it is very complex, we, we are, of course, not making a case here for complex, but you have a longer piece where you have um, uh, video uh, content, say um, uh, an annual report um, that you want to get across via video, then you can record smaller chunks 
and then recompose them. That is okay. But as we said, mm -hmm. the shorter a video is, the better anyway. So my uh, uh, favor is to just know your stuff and to make it simple so that you know exactly what's behind. And then again, I do, when I speak in front of a camera, I do have behind the camera loads of uh, uh, content. It can be a flip chart with the flow or it can be images or whatever that is because you can, you can really have um, your story uh, uh, in a nutshell behind the camera if you really need it um, so that you feel secure um, the, the audience will never see it because it's behind the camera that is of course not good for a live event no exactly and don't make it complex but sometimes there's just one thing that you need okay it might reassure you and in real life you don't even need to look at it yeah yeah and, and if you use two cameras and have a good producer cameraman what you can do is actually you edit it so you can make many many mistakes it will be edited and you can have 10 takes and in the end it will look perfect if it is properly edited so yeah. the pressure is not to do everything perfectly in one take uh you know if it's more complex if you're talking about things that matter also from a financial legal perspective like talk about your annual results um and the, for me the best technique is just not to sort of learn too much and over prepare but actually go in and make take lots of takes by with the camera Yeah. So the first three or four will be rubbish, but the number four or five will actually be pretty good because I've learned my piece while being in that very situation. So um, for me, this is the quickest way to get to really good video content, just maybe take half an hour in front of the camera, except that the first 15 minutes will not be very good. And then basically... I can talk very freely and competently about what I want to talk about. Yes, that is true. And And in general, I recommend to people to connect a little more with their intuition if they if they if that is okay with them and that means um, you know when you're preparing when you've reached the moment where you're nicely prepared but not over prepared and also for those videos I sometimes see people doing a hundred takes because they feel it needs to be perfect perfect and the result they get is that they get the over polished piece so so to really know when this is the one where you really were speaking in a flow and where the content is right and then stop uh, is a good piece and if you then need to really polish and recompose a bit well that's fine no absolutely uh, and and i think there's a sweet spot now so if it is overproduced and you use it for say social media or internal communications um you will lose that credibility it's quite quite interesting because um when you apply the the old standard of say tv production film production uh, people have the feeling now on social media it's overproduced and therefore less trustworthy because it's been over edited and god knows what that person's really said and thought so you also don't want to underproduce. um you can't just have two people on a sofa and film them that will make for terrible for terrible videos as well so it can't be underproduced because we're now used to a certain standard so you have to find out for you and your company what the sweet spot is in terms of the right level of production in order to have the professional credibility you're after but without it looking overproduced to people who are used to social media content yeah and by the way that is so beautiful as well again what corona has done there that uh, before we were saying like your background needs to be like that you need to shut everything off uh, no disturbances etc and of course if you have a ceo uh, uh, statement on xyz um, that is still the case but um, these small signs that this is a person and not an avatar as i said before are very beautiful and today we are we are so much more uh, wanting to see how the person uh, is uh, and we're much more ready to also take in a surprise so don't make it too sterile every type of communication 
has a format and a way how to you need to professionalize it. So far, it sounds very easy what we're saying. You know, you go into front of, you're in front of the camera. Yes, you prepare, but you just be yourself and it will be, you know, it will work to your advantage. But there are some challenges. So let's not swipe these under the carpet. What do you see as the main challenges for leaders to step in front of the camera and do their best? I talked about playing it over safely. We talked about authenticity as well. And um, authenticity is, of course, um, quite complex word. Um, so if being authentic is that we are natural uh, self, uh, the way we have been communicating since we, since we were 16 and with all our flaws and fears, well, then authenticity is maybe not what we want. So what I'm, what I'm trying to say here is that we need to actively work on who do we want to be our best selves and how can we push the boundaries of our very own authenticity so that we get better leaders and better communicators every time. And I think I see communications um, uh, opportunities as real opportunities to try out one more thing, to, to bend the boundaries and you get more and more comfortable and you really fly Off. So it's not only throwing yourself ourselves into into dark and, and, and deep water, but playing around with what else is possible and really working on our um, uh, communication skills and uh, who we definitely want to be as a leader now, as opposed to the leader we've always been. Mm, that's a good point. Um, I think it is a challenge that we tell people to appear naturally and authentic in an unnatural situation. I think the first step here is to just acknowledge that being in front of a camera is an unnatural situation, just like being on stage on a podcast is an unnatural situation, even though the fundamentals of communication are obviously very natural. So let's acknowledge that and just accept that it is unnatural. And we just train to feel this or see this more as a natural situation, the better it becomes. I think a second challenge is finding the time and that's finding time to train because this needs training and coaching usually, uh, finding time to prepare for particular recordings and then finding time for the recording and enough time to maybe do a few takes. And finding time for CEOs is, is always a challenge, but I would say that the training and coaching, well, the role of that is to empower you to get everything done quicker. Yeah, and I think it's not about preparing deeply but about chunking up to really mm -hmm. take the helicopter view and really look at what fundamentally, fundamentally is the essence of pieces. How do I want to come across? What's the one thing these guys need to know? What do I want to do to really embody that? So, so I think it's not about more time. It's about more quality time, I'd say, and then rehearsal. The other point is um, that uh, people very often do not familiarize with um, the Uh, venue where the video is being uh, produced and with the technicalities and I see time and again that once they then see the camera well they uh, uh, freeze a bit but also light so that before they feel totally comfortable and then they have this shining light depending of course on what, uh, what uh, filming opportunities and they are so confused by that that they don't get their message across any longer so a very strong recommendation is to um, uh, come on time, uh, familiarize with that light or with the sofa on which you are sitting, whatever that is, and the camera, and then you go out again rather than waiting just for you to be to to be your turn or for it to be your turn, and um, to to really 
breathe deeply, stretch a bit, um, maybe even uh, uh, relax your jaw and uh, bring a bit of life into your face. And when you then shine from within and then to come up, beam, you go in and you do the show. But focusing just on content and then uh, be exposed to the whole uh, thing as a surprise is setting yourself up uh, for uh, failure. And what I was just saying, that can be two minutes, that can be one minute, that can be even imaginary. If we imagine we are stretching our brain things we do so so that's fine as well as a plan b you mentioned the importance of delivery how important is what we say compared to how we say it haha <laughs> oh, well many people come with the old merabian uh, story of uh, the contents just being seven percent the rest is delivery uh, even merabian was not happy with how communications consultants have been interpreting this one so i'm a fierce believer in content and in simple and compelling content that really uh, reaches the different senses of our audience however delivery is key and one piece in delivery and neuroscience shows that more and more is um, that uh, if we fail to be fully present and connected with people from the start, um, people won't believe our message. So there is a thing about really making sure we know how to uh, start our story to really um, make sure we land in that situation before we even open our mouth. Because if you get off to a bad start and the ramp up as a diesel machine, like a diesel machine, chances are very high uh, that indeed you get to those Merabian figures of 7% that your content is completely drawn and buried. That's a great point. Um, I want to add a third element. Uh, I always say that, uh, you know, the impact of your speech or your on-camera work depends on three factors. What you say, how you say it, and the energy you say it with. And the en finding the right energy level is actually a challenge. And that's why I sort of made it a third pillar here. Um, and and, and my trainings and coachings because finding the energy switch is often uh, hard but remembering that energy is you know basically a third of your success here is quite important so for me this is two things this is two th these are two things here one is you have to flip your energy switch when the camera is on so you have to deliberately prepare yourself for that moment just like you know you you're in a sort of sports you, you do sorry let, let me do this again so there's a third element I would like to mention, which is energy. You have to really flip that energy switch when you're in front of the camera. And often it means being sort of slightly over the top. I always tell my coaches and, and the people I train and work with, well, it has to feel over the top in front of the camera. Then it would actually feel right for the other person. It's just being, it's just different being on camera or being on stage than talking to, you know, a human being in the room. You just need to make sure that that energy uh, becomes infectious and that energy swaps over um, and, and basically, uh, you know, comes. You just need to make sure that that energy that you generate is received by the audience. So you just need to generate more energy than you would normally do in a sort of conversation. That That's really important. Yes. Uh, I, I I mean, you, you know me on that one, and that's one of my big, big uh, themes uh, for already for, for many years. I, I'd like to add one point to what you are saying. It is for me not going over the top with the energy, but to really very consciously make sure you switch your energy on. It's I have at, really at the top of my head like a mental switch that I switch on to make sure 
the fatigue of the day or of whatever that is, is really somewhere else and that I'm fully present. And then I am aware uh, that I need to mobilize quite a bit of my best energy and I go within, um, in, the, in the room with that. But I always make sure it's my energy. It's not just like an amplified one that, um, that uh, where I throw an over-enthusiasm at people because whatever is fake, they will detect that in a split second. Yeah. What I meant is that it should feel over the top because yeah. then it tends to be right. If you just have your normal energy level that you and I would have when we have a cup of coffee and talk, yeah. it's not enough. So it has to feel over the top and then it will actually be right. But you're right. It shouldn't be over the top that much that it yeah. feels unnatural or, or, or you know staged. Yeah. And I think we are agreeing here. So for me, it's really making sure you have the right level of energy uh, to really mobilize uh, that uh, uh, crowd that is sitting behind the camera, which means it amplifies automatically. Yeah. So this is the third challenge I briefly like to mention. We mentioned finding the time, which is definitely a challenge for CEOs. Then secondly, to appear natural in unnatural situation. And thirdly, having access to the right kind of equipment and studio. Why? Because um, it's not just having a camera. You need the proper lighting. You need the proper sound. Uh, you know, so it is not easy and not cheap to set up uh, basically proper recording studio or basically just um, you know a corner in your office where you can record proper videos. Um, if the lighting's bad or the audio quality is poor, people will probably not watch it or they think, well, this is really unprofessional. So having the access to the right equipment, the right professional studio and, and expertise is also really important. Uh, Oliver, I'm so happy you're mentioning that point um, <laughs> because um, it is not a detail. And I'm very surprised uh, by how people are producing videos with light coming from a window from the back uh, with not having uh, professional uh, lights uh, from the side. And I'm really saying lights yes. from the side uh, with uh, lousy uh, cameras, uh, with their colleague from uh, the office on the right hand uh, uh, side, whatever, uh, just filming a bit because they say like, well, it's the message that needs to go through. We talked about message presence, etc. But if you don't connect via the right and professional equipment and with advice from professionals there, you won't get that message across. It's complicated. And sometimes it's things where we we, we, we are not even aware. So I see sometimes people um, talking via, via camera with earplugs, like the AirPods. Oh, yeah, AirPods, yeah. <laughs> it gets totally metallic. But unless a producer has told you that one day, well, they will continue to do that because that was the most uh, expensive headsets they have found, you see. So it's not about uh, expensive equipment. It's about the right equipment for the job. Right. And if you have an access to a studio and maybe even someone who can advise you how to really shine best in that studio, well, that's gold. Exactly. These, these are things you need to know. So things like earpods, they are optimized for listening. They're not optimized for speaking. On the contrary, they're very tinny sound. Also things like perspective that you can't stand in front of a wall, right? You have to have some space behind you. Otherwise it looks like you're recording in a in a cupboard. So there, there are things like that. And you know it's good to have that set up once and for all. You can just walk in and use that but I realize that that's not always uh, the case and not always easy. So there, there are quite a few challenges here. And before we close, let's talk about common mistakes, Bettina, because you don't mm -hmm. want to avoid these, right? Common mistakes is that you don't control the environment. <laughs> we make a homemade uh, video and uh, fail to see who's running through the picture in the background or uh, the unexpected noises, etc. Uh, if you have a pre-produced video, of course, you can edit that out. But when it goes live, it can get really, really dangerous for your reputation. The next one is 
not to have the right technicalities, we said, if the brand bandwidth is not good enough, uh, if the camera is lousy, if the light is bad, bad or coming from the wrong play, space, uh, that's bad. But I think also like in a short message, not finding your space, just like talking and, and warming up as you talk. Uh, well, that's a huge mistake. You need yeah. to be there. You need to want to get that thing out and you my, may want to find a way to enjoy. Absolutely. I, I think a lack of having a, a strong hook at the beginning is a big mistake because in this day and age, people give you a few seconds. They give you a video a few seconds. And if you're not saying anything ref surprising, new or engaging in the first sentence, people will switch off. Uh, and the default is always to listen to something else or read something else, right? So make sure you have a strong hook at the beginning and a strong ending with a call to action or just a you know very interesting thought or question to leave people with but the beginning and the ending are the most important parts i love that and to always have that piece of creativity jean-luc godard the filmmaker said each story has a beginning a middle and an ending but not necessarily in that same order so just like to surprise your audience but to really make sure you start off with a strong uh, get off to a strong start and uh, end on a strong note in that yeah. And, and another common mistake I see is that people record something, whether it's a podcast or video, and they don't listen to it or they don't watch it afterwards because it is uncomfortable. Well, guess what? You see how things are uncomfortable. Get over it. You have to watch what you've recorded and you have to listen to the podcast you've recorded. That's the only way of getting better. We know this. So get over it. The camera, the microphone, these are your friends. They give you feedback. And Bettina and I, you know, we, we use the camera as the, as the most effective feedback mechanism you can have in coachings. You show people what they appear like. We don't have to tell them anything. They see it for themselves. And that's, that's way more beautiful and way more effective. And I think there's, again, various elements. The one thing is to really um, get used to watching the recording so that you can learn from them. We talked about uh, how we can imagine this is your best friend giving feedback uh, to, or you giving feedback to your best friend um, so, so that you really get to a more gentle way of, um, of uh, looking at yourself. Mm -hmm. But the other piece is also people sometimes when they've recorded something, they say, oh, I don't want to see it again. And afterwards they're surprised uh, because uh, the message wasn't right or there was a misunderstanding. And very often we can have a look and edit a bit. So for the the sake of really using that as the perfect opportunity to shape perceptions rather than to ruin perceptions. If you can have a look, well, do have a look before it goes out. Yeah, that's great. And you're totally right. You should watch it, but then be kind to yourself. And if you spot a few things that you want to improve, I would say improve only one thing at a time. If you try to improve, say, you know, your, how, how, your, how your hands move, your body language, uh, and uh, the intonation of your speech, you probably stumble over your own feet. So pick one thing you want to improve, master that, and then move on to the next thing. So Rome wasn't built in a day, and being you know, a highly competent professional front of the camera just takes a little time. Yeah, and I think it's very interesting. At the moment you realize a thing, you already have started the journey on changing that. Yeah, ex exactly. To wrap things up, I think there are many more use cases now and video has become way more important for a number of reasons social media corona because it's just very natural and people just like watching it and the more people watch it the more people produce them so for you as a ceo business leader or someone who wants to be in a leadership position it's important to hone that skill and be really competent and effective in front of a camera that will actually improve all your communications it will make you better presenters you just become more persuasive you just know your sound bites your most convincing messages by heart so it really recommend that you prioritize camera work and become 
really, really strong in front of the camera. And enjoy. I think it's a lot of wanting to do that, wanting to try things out and really wanting to communicate with people. Yeah. And it's also true that few companies can really scale these days without video for social media, for email sales campaigns and so on, because users and your customers tend to prefer video over text. It's also true that video production can be a time-consuming nuisance because you don't have access to a studio or you just haven't had the training. So what we have done, and I invite you to this, is we created a studio at our offices at Friedrichstraße Berlin. And if you listen to this on the day this comes out, on the 10th of September, you can now book a slot for next week, which is the 15th, 16th, and 17th of September, and get a video professionally produced by us, by me and my team, completely for free. And we want to enable you to create quick and painless videos so you can grow your brand and your sales. And if you're not sure how to do it or how to speak on camera, it's no problem. Our experts and I will be there and we will help you with this. The link to booking a slot is in the show notes. So I hope to see you there because videos rock. They rock your LinkedIn account, they rock your email campaigns. Bettina, thank you so much for being here. It's so much appreciated. It's always a pleasure talking to you. And you're so knowledgeable when it comes to being in front of the camera. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Have fun next week. I won't be there. <laughs> I'm in Brussels. <laughs> That's the, the beauty again of technology. Thank you, Bettina. And thank you for listening. And see you all next week. <laughs>